So Louis, big Guess question Kate. for you. Yes. Who is this episode for? Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It feels like they finally recognize their average audience is women over 50. Okay, so clearly this was a leading question because you had yeah. an answer. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a nice lady over 50. It. I'm not saying younger people weren't going to benefit from it, but it feels like that's who they wrote it for. What makes you say that? Elaborate, please. I think it was um, just like all gays on archie definitely it was very much about archie's body and like <laughs> this, yeah this episode in a gentle way where like they were they certainly like were ignoring that these are supposed to be teenagers um but it felt like they were like really trying to film him in a way and like light him away that made him seem like grown up and i well, think they were like leaning into it okay so i i have a I have a state. I have a statement about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously, Riverdale is intentionally very, you know, quote unquote, steamy. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those uh, soap operas for mm -hmm. people, um, and the actors have always been sexualized, including when they were quite a bit younger. You know, seven mm -hmm. years ago. You know, when KJ started, he was nineteen. Um, but you know. It's actually like thinking about this type of content and thinking about the namesake of this episode, you know, the British series Sex Education. I just think that the U.S., the way they portray young person sexuality is just so screwed up. And that's maybe what you're noticing more than anything. Because like yeah. Sex Education is really explicit and uses younger actors but we wouldn't say the same thing about it because it just has a much more like sex positive approach to the all the material. Yeah, you know? sex education is certainly more like realistic. This is yeah. I mean, not just yeah, that this yeah. is like in a fantasy jungle, but yeah, yeah, this was like very much fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that's like sex education has like teens being awkward, and these teens all like were ready to go. Excuse me. <laughs> The I don't whole... think that I don't think that's the case with this episode. There is a lot of "ooh, you're gross." Ooh, I don't know what I'm doing in this episode, actually, which I, which I, I, think... which I really liked, actually. Yeah. On paper, there was. I think in practice, there wasn't. I think it's I think because it was... they're all too beautiful for you to believe uh, that they'd feel that way. <laughs> maybe, but they just like when they actually followed through with anything, it was all like easy breezy. <laughs> like, there was a lot of discussion of, like, oh, I'm uncomfortable and awkward. And then, like, when it came down to doing things, it was, like, you're a pro. It was easy, breezy, beautiful. Cover girl! Cover, cover girl! girl! Cover girl! <laughs> All right. So, in this episode, we're handling Riverdale, Chapter 120, Sex Education. Sounds like Kate didn't really like it. Sounds nope. like Louie did. Roll the theme song!
welcome to another episode of EXO, 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 Riverdale. Riverdale! I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Batter. Here we are. Uh, this is your favorite Riverdale podcast that still exists. It's a recap podcast covering chapter 120, Sex Education. Uh, but before we get into it, Kate, uh, just do you have, do we have any big Riverdale fan news today? No. Okay, cool. The slate is clean. Yep. That's fine. It is what it is. Sometimes we'll have those discussions. Sometimes we won't. So here we go. Let's get, let's get into it. Let's get into sex education here. I think a lot of my problem with the episode two is that they should have had a shorter episode order for this season. And I think that's showing in this episode we're because... like, there's certainly things that moved it along, but also it was like, this did all did not, it could have moved faster. Didn't need to take this long. They took like a lot of sidebars that were like fairly unnecessary. <laughs> I am enjoying this season. I am kind of a fan, which is obviously a big difference than I've been in the past on this podcast. And maybe we'll make some of our Apple podcast reviewers very pleased. Some who said about our podcast, if you're going to pick a show to recap, perhaps you should enjoy the show. <laughs> we did when we started. Yes. And I am swinging back around. I, I liked fe- last season. Yeah, I like last season too. Absolutely. Uh, this season is working for me because think that it is delving into some emotional truths of the characters that is working very well for me and it also i think is allowing them to act like teenagers more than the first few seasons of the show did uh archie this entire episode is very well-meaning and being written like a nice guy who (laughs) sort of gets trapped in this bad situation with Cheryl and is very um, uh, trying very hard to listen to her needs and be like kind, which I'm into. Veronica, I think is a star player this season in terms of the writing all three episodes I've really enjoyed. I thought it was very believable that she would be the one to be like, let's have a kissing party, which in itself was a really fun 1950s conceit. Who threw the party in the beginning of like the pilot episode? Was that Cheryl? The spin the bottle episode. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that was a, oh, I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Betty, was no, it? I think it was Cheryl. Yeah, I think you're right. Tweeted us if you remember. <laughs> I know that it's the first episode, so it would be so easy for us to figure this out without like slopping through the series. But like, just tell us. Yeah, just you know, just tell us. Yeah, just tell us. So, so yeah, so there's this this kissing party, and I think a key scene for me. Two, there were two moments in that kissing party scene that really hammered home what they're trying to do this season. The first one was when 
Betty and Jughead got picked to kiss. Now, a few, I, I read a really good article by our, our pal Alex Solomon on Decider about this scene. Um, you know, he's the one that guested on our podcast a little mm-hmm. while ago. And, you know, so he wrote about this this scene and something that he said was that it was odd that Betty and Jughead were like, nice to make your acquaintance because Two episodes ago, they were all in the room together when Jughead was talking about his crazy theories. Yeah. You know, about the future. So I guess you could credit that, that when Tabitha kissed Jughead, she erased that instance from happening from all their brains somehow. Yeah. It seems like they're not treating Jughead like a new kid, though. So, like... Yeah. (laughs) It's very weird. Also, I want to say real quick, there were way more kissing games than there were when I was in high school. <laughs> For sure. But I, I do also think that that was the 50s. Is yeah. I think that they were very into that because they were all so fucking repressed. So, yeah. yeah, you know, like that post office game. I've never heard of that. I had only heard Seven Minutes in Heaven and Fin the Bottle. Definitely. And here's this weird post office game, uh, which was fun. But I was like, whoa. Also, I mean... All of this was so much better than that key party episode. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> just wanna that. yeah, Erase just wanna that. just wanna bring that up. So when they kiss, what uh, the argument that Alex is making? This is his idea, not mine. But I think it's compelling. Is that they've all lost their physical, like their memory memories, but mm-hmm. their emotional memories are lingering. Mm-hmm. And that is a fun sandbox to play in. And it does feel like that is what's happening with Cheryl and Tony as well. Somewhat with Veronica and Archie also. Uh, I think that's kind of a fun place to be in this, you know, in this world. So there's that scene. And then there is the scene after when Veronica's plans have been thwarted. And there she is hanging out with Jughead. So this is a rare Veronica Jughead scene, which we don't see a lot of on the show. And they have written Veronica, to their credit, as a more three-dimensional character. Because she is allowed to have more to her life than her wanting to do business and make money and business business, which is like how they've portrayed her. Like just a quiet moment where she's like, I like monster movies too. What's your favorite monster movie? And to have them bond over that. It's like, yeah, they're both kids. (laughs) Like they might have some stuff in common. They're both like actually fairly nice people. (laughs) Like they're not, you know what I mean? Like there's often been an antagonism specifically between those two characters in the show where I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> like, so I really enjoy that scene and also the the possibility that maybe they'll hook up, which I think is just a really fun, weird pairing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like they kissed that one time very early in the show in the hot tub and that's yes. really it for them. Yes, because it was dumb. We were like, okay. <laughs> like, we weren't like, oh, we love this. <laughs> like, when that happened. Yeah. Like, so anyway, so, so though that all of that worked well for me. And um, the I found the entire episode very entertaining because of its character beats. Uh, and like 
honestly, I don't give too much of a shit about the murder mystery anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I want to join the entomology club because it's the bee's knees. Yeah, the entomology club is the bee's knees. Yes. Which was clever and I loved it. But this had another... Yeah, anyway, I know you didn't like it, so I'm more than happy to hear why. I'm sorry that I sort of went on a bit about that, but it is is a podcast where I talk. Okay. (laughs) But one thing I want to discuss is when they do and they don't know use major brand names. (laughs) Because, like, it's clear, like, CoverGirl, they were sponsored. Certainly. But then sometimes they just, like, I feel like there was one, like, last week or two weeks ago where I was, like, I'm shocked they didn't, like, use a fake name or, like, a rhyming name. They just, like, said it. And then this whole week they used Kingsley instead of Kinsey. And it oh. was, like, this is, like, not even a brand. It's just, like, a name. Like, it's why just are a, we... Yeah, it feels like there's no no rhyme or reason. Yeah. But, but I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because this episode is sponsored by Dr. Kingsley. <laughs> if you need to know where you fall on the Kingsley path, Pick up his new book, Human Sexuality. Yeah, the Kingsley Slider. (laughs) You know, that's so funny, Kate. I didn't even make the connection to the Kinsey scale. I was just like, oh, it's this book. (laughs) Because I wrote Albert Kinsey, and then the subtitle, she said Kingsley, and I was like, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, excuse me? Because I was reading the cover of the book, and you can't see it so well, which is why I went with Kingsley. Yeah. Or with Kinsey, because I just, my brain went to that. But, uh. And then did you go on to Sleuther to learn more about, uh. I did Google to see if yeah. there was a Kingsley. Sure. <laughs> and there was I, not. That's so funny. I, how funny would it have been if there was another, well, there were plenty of sexual scientists in the 50s who had shit opinions. Yeah. But what if there was uh, one named Kingsley, Kingsley who was like the off-brand Kinsey? Yeah. I think that's really funny. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not buying this book for you, honey. We have we have, we have Kinsey at home. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, I, you know, they seem to do a pretty good job learning from that book. Yeah, which is good part. because the sex education they received in school was so like fifth grade birds and bees this is what's happening to your body, that it was like, this is too late. Well, yeah, it's 1955. Welcome to the wonderful world. I'm sure that that's what it was like. I mean, have you ever seen any sexuality um, instructional films from the 50s? They're pretty, that's pretty much what happens in them. I have heard, but I also do think that like some of the stuff they were getting, they did still get earlier then. Like they were hitting not like, you know, you might have strong feelings and this is like, you should be safe. They were getting like, this is your period and you may find your body changing stuff. Mixed did they in talk there. about periods or was that left to the mother? Probably left I think it was to, left to the your mother, mother, but there was yeah. like your body's changing and like you have some new hormones and that like, that I had already was, happened to all these kids. I think it was a lot of... um like your body's changing so make sure you wash (laughs) yeah what i mean (laughs) which is what they i think even in the 50s they gave it to kids younger than that because that's like we associate it with sex but it is just like your body and like that stuff hits younger than the 11th grade of course like how bad did that school smell 
if probably just terrible <laughs> if they hadn't told any of them to you know i would wash. hope their parents stepped in but there was a good chunk of them that like did not realize the gravity of the situation if they weren't getting that into 11th grade certainly and do you think that the way these parents are being portrayed that they stepped in no. we think do we think this version of alice cooper I alice really cooper think, 55 <laughs> i think mary may have stepped in but uh yeah mary mary's haven't... mary's a pretty chill cat in this season i'm well, into her really although she was she was very anti hot rod and it was right like, well and it's like archie's like falling apart jalopy. Yeah. yeah but we haven't seen a lot of parents either um like i feel like veronica knew but i'm sure her uncle orson sat her down and gave her a yeah. talk yes but veronica, it seems here's, like some here's the things like... you need to know now, let me do my Orson Welles bit. Come on. Okay, sorry, sorry. Veronica, your body's changing. You need okay, to, is that it? Oh, no. You, oh. you need to wash. All right, I'm going to go make Kane now. Goodbye. Okay. Okay, that's it. Okay, because I'm just like, I know we had in the, when I was in the fifth grade is like when we got that like talk in school and I had already had my period by then. And that was the 90s and the fifth grade was like a little too late for a couple of us. So the 11th grade is too late. For sure. For sure. Uh, yes. I, I, I do wonder how much research was done into school sex education before writing the episode. Well, but also all the writers, I assume. Are in are their 70s. But they are in their seventies, but also did personally have an education. Yes, uh, of any sort, of some sort of yes, yeah. Yes. Even if maybe perhaps some of them were homeschooled, you know, yeah, which is certainly a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will tell you, every girl knows how old she was when she got her period. So, <laughs> uh, all right. What else was happening in this episode? I'm now looking at my notes. That yeah, Zaddy this... Keller's back. Loved him in this episode. Yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit about this investigation? Yeah. So something that I think they're doing really well, I know I said earlier I don't really care about the murder investigation, but if I'm going to see a bunch of scenes with our pals getting questioned, mm -hmm. I love the linking of the murder investigation to how torrid the adults felt like comic books were in the fifties, mm -hmm. because that was a genuine issue that was happening <laughs> with kids being linked to delinquency because they read horror comics. There's always something to blame. Always. There's always a scapegoat. I don't know how intentional this is. This, this was something I was thinking about this morning before we popped on. And I want to hear your take on this. We're in an era now where there are plenty of places in the United States that are in a kind of a vague way blaming books in elementary schools for mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, the tar the tarnishing of our children you know what i'm saying yeah 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 yeah. and um i really like the parallel seeing it playing out in riverdale in this way like for me it's, it's satisfying and i think it's well handled but i don't you know I, I i i still do i do feel like this season is a reaction to right 
wing Trump era politics in a lot of ways, uh, more so than we've seen in the past. Yeah. But, but I don't quite know how intentional it is or if it's just that it's something that's so, so, so much permeating the society that something that the writers are just having on their minds, you know? I think it's just that's what's on our, like top of mind right now. But if this had been 15, 20 years ago, it would have been video games. It would have been the music in the 70s. Like there's just always something that we're skateboarding for children's behavior. That is true. And that's just what it is now. Did you just say there's always something we are skateboarding for children's behavior? I wish I said skateboard, scapegoating, but skateboarding. <laughs> We're skateboarding for children's behavior. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're right about that. Uh, but it is. It is interesting to to draw the parallel, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, graphic novels are getting blamed a lot right now. So yes, it is like kind of more direct than when it was like the Rolling Stones. They're considered quote unquote pornographic you know um but then if you ask anybody who's mad at them well what makes them pornographic people are gonna be like yeah i want to hear about the pornography in persepolis where she wears a hijab exactly (laughs) yeah exactly i think there's like one page of what iran was like before the revolution and everyone's still like fully clothed (laughs) yeah there's like two people kissing maybe yeah Yeah, i think it's like a woman in a t-shirt yeah, I haven't read Persopolis in a while, but I love it. It's great. Yeah, Persopolis is great. It's um, wonderful. Um, if you haven't read Persopolis, Persepolis. Uh, sorry, yeah, Persepolis. Yeah, I'm like literally looking at it on my <laughs> shelf over here. If you haven't read Persepolis, read it and tweet at us um, uh, about how there's much a movie you enjoyed that's, it. There's a movie version that's like pretty solid. Yeah, which I've never seen. Which I'd like I haven't to see. either. <laughs> but I know it was like the same illustrator and like the right, like the woman who wrote the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, she like uh, something that I actually did want to say at the top that I forgot is I went into our Twitter DMs that were in spam uh-huh. this week and found a few really nice messages from some people who've been listening over the last few years. You're not spam to us. You're no, no. And, and I wrote back to all of you and said thanks and. Just, I, you know, I really appreciate that you listen and that you were engaging with us. And I'm really sorry it went to spam. I feel bad about it. So, yeah, that's all. Especially because we constantly tell people to tweet at us. Yeah. And then we were like, crickets for two years. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't mean to ghost you. Yeah. (laughs) Really sorry. (laughs) We, We do appreciate that you listen. Anyway, yeah, back to the episode. At the end of the episode, did it end with Jughead and Ethel going back to like the beginning of the story? Who was going back to the beginning? I didn't write down who it was. Who was going back to like they were starting a story from the beginning, but it was like almost word for word how Joe Me starts. <laughs> and it was like Let's start we... from the very beginning. They were like it's where the very we best place to yeah. start. They were like, where should we start? And they're like, We'll start from the very beginning. A very, and then it was like somewhere else, but I was like, very like, they're about to go into Dilbert And I, I don't do, know if it was on purpose or if that's just like a very common way of putting things. I do believe that was Jughead and Ethel, yeah, yeah. at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a fun, that's that's really fun. It's too bad they didn't have a musical number there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so something else about the behaviors of the characters that I thought was interesting Right when a murder started, 
you know, right when the murder happened. This is also like a, you know, Betty and, and Jughead went immediately into sleuth mode, which is fun to see that it's like their minds have been wiped and they're not the characters we once knew, but they still want to solve this murder. <laughs> Do you think that Veronica is at this point in the show too much woman for Archie that she's just too much that they're not a good match I wonder because Archie was like kind of into the idea that Cheryl dated older men which she didn't but he was like interested and then it's like well then he may think he wants Veronica or did he see through what Julian was saying and was using that as like oh yeah because I'm like a tough guy so I can take Cheryl but like knows deep down that he can't hmm I, I, I don't know. It it was a contrasting character move because definitely he was very intimidated by the like weird man salon that happened in the last episode. Understandably so. Yeah. So then when Veronica said to him, you know, I'd like to get started again on the right foot and him saying, you know, I don't really know if we're a good match. That made a lot of sense and had his character carry over from one episode to the other, which is always nice when it happens. But yes, that felt like it was erased because Julian really hyped up Cheryl. Yeah. Also, I mean, that was gross. <laughs> right? Yeah. That was I will say Cheryl ended up handling it like a champ. Absolutely. Yes, she sort of flipped the situation on Julian and, and on Penelope. Penelope. Yeah which I really liked. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if they're going to address the fact that Julian was talking about his sister like this, because it was very creepy. Yeah, I feel like Cheryl and Jason's relationship is always creepy like that too, though. I think that they alluded to that, definitely. But also, Cheryl and Jason had a little more of kind of a weird, like, weird we're twins we have weird twin talking time yeah (laughs) this was a little different you know cheryl and julian's relationship is more like i'm cheryl blossom and you used to be a talking doll and now you're (laughs) or a haunted a real boy now you're a real boy and we are uh dealing with it somehow yeah Yeah. (laughs) so did you notice the other sort of dikey biker beatnik woman who is flirting with Tony in this episode? Did you re- did you catch her name? No, I was like not paying as much attention as I should have. <laughs> That's perfectly okay cuz I'm here to pick up the slack, Kate. Um <laughs> because you'll like this. Yeah. Her name was Lizzo. I found that distracting. Yeah. <laughs> Want to ask you, I don't know if Lizzo is a name we can be using right now because of pop superstar Lizzo, who's great. Nothing yeah. against Lizzo. Yeah. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, it's short for Elizabeth, I assume. I've never looked into it. I would assume so, yes. And I'm certain that Lizzo, the pop star, did not come up with it. But, yeah, it feels like not the right time to be using it. Totally, totally not the right time. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like. Also, this is a total side note. 
would we consider Lizzo amongst the like share Madonna like gay icon group in terms of her like overall appeal I think she's getting there okay yeah I mean I have a feeling that as she continues her career the gays will stick with her yeah I'm not gonna out a celebrity's child on air but uh there's a celebrity's child who like based on every story I've heard I've been like that kid's gay but uh (laughs) That was the one thing where I was like, I might be reading into Lizzo this way. And if I'm wrong, then that like really erases like a solid chunk of my theory. But well, I think that if a young male, it's like a 14 year old is like really that into Lizzo. Yeah. That's... And also went to fashion camp. Yeah. That strikes me as a, as a nice young gay, gay man. He's a sweetie. Like I love the kid and I like his parents. I think it's all safe. I don't know if he's out to them, but they certainly know. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like dad brought him to like a Lizzo concert and then recently went, brought him to a SZA concert. And I'm like, oh, he knows. That's so nice. <laughs> I know. It's really nice. Why aren't any of the parents you... taking any of the uh, any of the kids on Riverdale to SZA concerts? Yeah, it's really weird that they're not constantly going to see SZA at the, uh, the Crypto.com arena. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. <laughs> so. Another really fun thing about this episode is the name of this coffee shop, which is now really coming full head. You know, it's called the Dark Room. Yeah. So dark rooms, for any of our listeners that might not know, which might be some people, a lot of bars that are specifically queer bars have dark rooms where people can go and hook up and where public sex happens. And that's mm-hmm. definitely the, the illusion here. Mm-hmm. which is really fun. You know, I have a question. Yes, During of course. the big jungle sex scene, when you picture it in your head, do you hear the White Lotus theme song as well? <laughs> I'm not as much of a White Lotus guy as a lot of people. But do you know the theme song? I mean, not off the top of my okay. head. Um, I know the theme song to Succession, uh, which I, is, is a show that I don't watch as much. I don't watch it, but I also, when I think of what it must sound like, my head goes to Mad Men. So. (laughs) Also, no spoilers. I don't watch Succession, but how did people not know that was coming based on the title of the show? Because (laughs) a lot of people thought it was going to happen in the series finale, and they jumped the gun, and it surprised everyone, I I believe. But also, like, you have to go through a succession. You can't succeed in like five minutes based uh, okay yeah yeah i don't no, watch no. the show yeah yeah <laughs> so cheryl can we just pause for a moment and talk about cheryl's paintings yeah her, her like sexy ladies 1950s pinup like betty page paintings good for her i, I love know that cheryl's a painter in every generation yeah cheryl will always be a painter and she'll always paint certain imagery that is somewhat sapphic yep so that was kind of good <laughs> um <laughs> i like that uh clay came out to kevin and that we're not going to spend too much time on this a real risky thing to do as a person of color mm-hmm. going to a mixed high school in the 50s but that being said it seems like based on how much the show's concentrated on it 
that they fixed Emmett Till in this world of Riverdale. Yep, everyone saw it and said, this is bad, and switched their ways. Exactly. So maybe they've switched how they feel about yep. young gay men of color in 1955. Yep. But Ruby Bridges isn't even, isn't even going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, not at all. It's it's done. Yeah. In this world. Racism's over. Racism's over. Stonewall has happened. Mm-hmm. It's a magical wonderland. We could read into this that Clay did a lot of vetting with Kevin and decided it was at least safe to tell him. Yeah, I think there's certain, that's certainly an aspect of it, yes. is that he got a good read on Kevin. He got it, yeah, and that is certainly how gay men had to operate at the time. Mm-hmm. Although, um, you know, I have to say, during the more homophobic 90s and aughts, when I was a young gay man, I had a very hard time getting a read on who to come out to and who not, and a lot of anxiety around it. So yeah. I thought Clay was very smooth here. Well, uh, you know, now yeah. kids in L.A. with their famous parents, like, that kid may never come out, which is so nice to see. Absolutely. He may never have to. Yeah. Sure. And it, it's a sports family uh, and doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It's lovely. It's yeah. lovely. And also that, like, he is in, like, Hollywood, LA, which is certainly better than other parts of the country. I don't want to downplay that. Of course. In like a showbiz family with parents from like the East Coast, but. Oh, uh, for sure. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. It has a lot. And the culture divide is really strong right now. But for a very long time, even there was not. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a new, this is very new uh, Mm -hmm. and very exciting. And uh, yeah, you know, um, can't wait to see Clay and Kevin finally get together. And yeah. For like, like Kevin's gonna kiss Clay, and then his head's going to explode. It's gonna fly off his body. We won't need clear blue to know that's positive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sick burn. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Did you like the sex fantasy? Did I? I... The crazy sex fantasy. I did not care for it. It felt so sudden and, but also not, I wrote this episode, it's horny. (laughs) Very horny. It's a very horny episode. Yes. They definitely like had a long talk with the censors at the network about how much they could show. And like, it was pretty par for the course for Riverdale. It was a lot of grinding and a lot of male torso. They and had a to, there's of, definitely like a lot there's, of a broad boob, you know. They're like codes, like there's a certain number of thrusts you can show before it has to go up in a rating. That's interesting. And they definitely like had to have long conversations about that type of thing. Yes, because there was some thrusting that happened for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole thing I learned on each two Hollywood story, the story of the real world, is how many thrusts you can show on TV. Ooh. Yeah. So I miss each two Hollywood story. Bring those back. I know. Bring back each true Hollywood story. We learned so much. We learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> when we were 10 and we were like, interesting, interesting, interesting. All right. Noting that to my brain. Uh, I, I loved the sex fantasy because it was so fucking goofy. It was very goofy. And it felt actually in a lot of ways very 50s in a really, really, really silly way. I the, want to the play plants, the... The jungle, the... <laughs> I'm going to play the White Lotus theme song. If I play it on my computer, will you hear it? Uh, Probably not, because you're in your headphones right now. Yeah, I'm going to...
play the theme song into my headphone microphone <laughs> because I think you will hear why I'm thinking of it. Okay. Here Can you we hear it? Go. No. This is going to be really fun for our listeners. Here, this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. I'm going to share my sound. Okay, I'm sharing my sound, and now I'm going to look it up All right. on YouTube so that we can listen to it, and we might get an ad, and all our listeners are just going to have to deal with it because we all need to hear what the White Lotus theme. And why it's what I think in my brain I heard the whole time. Okay, here we go. White Lotus theme song. I found it on YouTube. Okay, White Lotus Season 2 opening theme song. Are you hearing that? Yeah, I am. If you skip ahead a little, we'll get like really into it. Okay, here we go. It has like a little bit more like of an underbeat than the second season, but like. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Does it? That was very funny. <laughs> that was worth a little detour, and I would have yeah. loved. We should someone someone do a fan edit of put the sex scene, the jungle so, scene, and I'm gonna recommend Lotus the first and, season over the second season theme song wise, but they are very similar. They both have that vocalization. The vocalization is, I think, what makes it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So also, the White Lotus is like a great show if anyone wants to watch it. Oh yeah, yeah. There's also a, a disco song by Divine called Jungle Jezebel that I feel would work very well in that scene. So. Just a just a shout out, divine on my podcast, my my Riverdale podcast. Did you? I I I really liked Tony's beatnik poem. I thought it yeah. was so fun. I thought it like genuinely turned people on. Like it genuinely turned people on. She looked great in her turtleneck. Mm-hmm. I want to see like lean into the beatnik poems on Riverdale for the rest of the season. Beatnik poems all the time. I want to see everybody doing beatnik poems. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was really fun. It was too much for Cheryl. Way too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. What else? Now I'm just looking for the rest of my notes to see if there's anything else that's really huge. Yes. Another... Other big talking point of this episode, really the only other big, big thing that I thought was quite fascinating. Sexually frustrated Betty, mm-hmm. this version of Betty, Betty 55, is acting the most like Alice. We have seen Betty act the entire series, which is fun and makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just thought that was kind of cool. A lot of ultimatums, a lot of uh, kind of black or white thinking <laughs> from her. Yeah. You need to prove that you love me. <laughs> a 
a lot yeah. of stuff like that. And I get that she would get it from her mom and revert back to that kind of behavior if she's in this position where she just is so confused as to what's going on with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. I also thought that was good character writing. Liked Betty and Veronica a lot this episode. Yeah. I think yeah. everyone was like pretty on point this episode. Yes. And speaking of which, I need to say this out loud. Uh-huh. One of my all-time favorite quotes from the show and might might accompany my jughead tattoo if I ever get one, which, you know, uh-huh. I have thought about a lot in the past, is who has time for dating when there are so many burgers to eat comics to read and monster movies to watch i was like oh my man i really you are my favorite fictional character jughead jones when you are written this way and uh very happy to see juggy allowed to behave this way as opposed to like Jughead in like creepy writer prep school. This is, I'm yeah. enjoying this so much more. <laughs> yeah. Side yeah. note on that, we talked last week about the Yankees doing the I'm weird, yes. I'm a weirdo thing. All week, they have just been leaning into calling Giancarlo Stanton like a weird weirdo. They like, love they it. Were, they think it's funny. <laughs> they like kept going with it. And I mean, you I think have... they're closet Riverdale fans. I think there's someone in that organization and I know they keep saying it's like, oh, it's because Aaron Boone called him weird and like he is weird. And I don't think it's Aaron Boone that's the fan. But I think there's like someone in the social media department who's like leaning into this hard in a way that's like just for them. Like when I took a speech writing class, I tried to reference to Wang Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar in as many speeches as possible. And it was for no one but me. And I think that there's someone in that social media department that's like, I'm going to try to make as many references to this as I can until someone's like, you have to stop. I mean, that's honestly, I think that there's a lot of people that want to cram in their interests into the work that they do. I don't know that it's their interest either. I think they did it once and are just like, I'm going to keep going with this. Because <laughs> I have things like that too, where like you do a bit one time and you're like, this is my thing now, but people aren't going to think it's interesting. So it's just for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, this is a little nugget for me yeah uh yeah yeah no no no. i i I think you might be right about that yeah i certainly try to put references to different things in my sesame street scripts when i write them and they Mm -hmm. almost 100 percent get taken out by everybody through notes almost every single time try to name a character after something or whatever and yeah (laughs) yeah it's just for you (laughs) <laughs> yeah totally yeah like sometimes I, I make references to other things from sesame street that like i care about from my childhood and they're like remove this it's confusing and i'm like it's a reference to your show yeah. <laughs> anyway i get it i totally understand <laughs> might have different motivations than um they yeah. do when i'm writing those scripts sometimes anyway yeah um that's sort of for me everything that I wanted to address that kind of struck me as interesting. Do you have, do you have anything else that I have missed? We have covered every single thing I've written down. Yeah. Cause I think that's the stuff that really stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry you didn't like this episode as much as I did. <laughs> what, what if I actually get 
a line from this episode tattooed on my body. Can we that still be, be friends? <laughs> oh, we would be. I, it would deepen our friendship. Okay, good. Yeah, That's the I mean, type of thing that, like, I'm here for. I, I just felt like, thank you, Kate. Thank you for your support. I just felt like that was such a great distillation of the character, despite the fact that yeah. there was other goofy stuff in the episode. It was just really nice to hear that come out of Cole Sprouse's mouth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who was on your power list? It's short this week. Sure. Yeah, I had a hard time with it, to be honest. For me. I think, yeah, because yeah, I don't know that this, like, moved the series. Yeah. Um, I have Veronica, Tony, and Betty. Sure. Yep. Yep. I get it. Um, yeah, I think those are good choices. I have Veronica as well. Mm-hmm. And then I have some adults. I have uh, Tom Keller, because mm-hmm. this investigation is clearly really there's a lot of moving pieces that are you know kind of revolving around the investigation Ugh. and i have penelope blossom who set off this whole um charchy thing yeah charchy. Ugh, i hate that charchy julian loves charchy what else errol archel oh there's my timer going off really loud again sorry listeners <laughs> I don't know why that started happening. Um, yeah. What? Right? What's their couple name? I think it's Charchi. Ugh. Charchi sounds just terrible. We could, we could soften it to Sharshi. Sharshi. I love Sharshi. Sharshi's much better. Sharshi sounds like an 80s brand of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, experience ultimate comfort with Sharshi. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, who's on your crush list? Uh, I have Cheryl, who just looks real cute in these 50s outfits. Oh, yeah. Madeline Patch. Uh, I, I hope great. she moves on to just total movie stardom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zaddy Keller. He's back, baby. I know. You love him. Love him. And I have Midge. I'm like, yeah, Midge. Midge. Midge was looking really cute. Yeah. Midge was looking really, really, really cute. I hope that Midge and Fangs end up together and they're really happy. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Moose comes back. No, I want Moose to be gay with me. Sure. <laughs> or for him just to be gay on the show. I just want Moose back. Yeah, I want also, Moose back Also, I would like too. Reggie back. I think that he maybe was conflicting. His shooting schedule was conflicting with History of the World. Yeah. And I've heard he comes back in the second half of the season and it's going to be like a big reveal where he's been and what he's been doing. Okay. So maybe he's that been will... In, he's been in Russia leading a revolution maybe that'll drive the plot along yeah yeah it's been rushing. yeah totally <laughs> and then richard kind is in it and yeah which is wild because like he wasn't in that plot line but like they're both there no richard kind's there no he's not in it no he's not in that plot line no i was like he's yeah. in like two of them but i, I just want that. richard kind to appear on riverdale before i mean Riverdale's done. it would be for us it would be for we everyone kate <laughs> Who? Oh, oh I, you 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 told me who's on your crush list. I'll yeah, tell who's you who's on, on mine. Tony, mm-hmm. the turtleneck look was killer, mm-hmm. and uh, Juggy, just uh, overall great. He he just had a real good vibe this episode for me. I will say too, uh, when Jughead and Veronica were talking about horror movies, and she said the creature from Black Lagoon, I was like, "You look like her," and then Jughead was like, "You look like her," and I was like, "Yeah." Oh, the woman from the creature from the black. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. 
I haven't seen Creature from the Black Lagoon since I was about nine. And my mom. I've never seen it, but I've seen, you know, the poster. The poster and stuff. Yeah. My mom took me to see Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, on the big screen at an art house in Calgary, and they were showing it in 3D. And it was just like such a treat. It was so fun. Um, If you've never, uh, if you ever get a chance to see a red blue 1950s 3d movie on the big screen it's really a very singular uh movie experience and i like highly recommend it it's just like such a specific process and the way the movie looks and the sort of work they did for films that were shot in 3d is if they're good like creature from the black lagoon is really rich you know Mm -hmm. um it's really it's really cool not the suit the suit's dumb (laughs) the suit's real bad looking but there's a lot of cool layered shots of like the, the swamp that makes it mm-hmm. look very, um, it's very atmospheric and textured. So yeah, I recommend something like that for all you R- Riverdale fans listening to the podcast. <laughs> what do we have on tap for next week? Love and marriage. Goes oh, goes together, together like a horse, horse and carriage. carriage. Wonder who is going to get pregnant and married on the show. <laughs> Yeah, is like well, it's gonna it's gonna have like so much to do with Archie's football championship. You think it's, it's gonna never? Have to, he's the... gonna have like a big football championship, and this is gonna be the rest of the show. It's him talking about it, like he oh. never gets over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, another wonderful Riverdale recap episode. Uh, thank you to our editor Angeli Mercado, who's killing it. And our theme song writer, Louis Aronowitz, who is on SNL a lot recently. Yeah, he's been on SNL a lot recently. We love we love to see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have anything to add about sex education, ways you felt about it, reach out to us on social media. You know, just do a search for XOXO Riverdale. We're on Insta. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And I'm going to try my best to start looking at our spam and try to change the settings so we just receive everything. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for everybody that's been sticking with us and listening to us this go-around. We really appreciate it. Yep. (laughs) All right, for XOXO Riverdale, I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Batter. Bye. Bye.